Max when I was 18 years old. He does not like messy cars. <laughs> and he does not like boys that hog all the chicken. And, uh, okay, well, I'm going to set this up here. Okay, I'm glad to be with you. Um, your theme is cause and effect. And uh, the three messages that I'll be speaking to will have a cause effect. I'll, they'll lean into that. So I'm not uh, departing from that theme. It's a, it's a great theme. And, uh, you know, everything we do has an effect. Every word we say, um, every minute we do, whatever we do with our time, there's a cause and effect. It's a matter of what kind of effects you want to have with your causes. So uh, it's, a, it's a great theme, and um, I, hope I, can, I hope I can speak to it. Um, one thing that I always pray when um, I go to a conference or a retreat is that God would give me one thing to take away. And um, I started praying that a long time ago when I was a college student. We went to a conference in Fort Worth, and I don't remember anything at all about this conference. It was 50 years ago, and except one thing. And a, a man gave a talk on having a daily quiet time, and one thing he said that I remember is that I spend with God, I spend time with God each day because of love. And so for 50 years, of all the talks I've heard on a devotional life and how to do it and, you know, all this, I mean, I've got a file on it. But one thing I remember is that I spend time with God because of love. And that kind of blows away all the smoke, you know, what do I have to get out of it? What I need to write in my journal? What can I pass on to others? You know, that's all periphery stuff if we miss we meet God because of love, his love for us and our love for him. I was at a, uh, another thing about a, a takeaway from a conference. I was um, at a Louis Giglio Passion Conference down I, when they first started. I think they were in Austin or I don't even remember. It was a long time ago. But he showed a video on Tibet. It was about a five-minute video. And... Uh, I'd never been to Tibet. I've never met anyone from Tibet. I've never read anything on Tibet. I didn't even know exactly where it was, was geographically. And uh, being the great geography scholar that I am. But um, this Tibet challenge, I mean, this video on, on Tibet challenge, you know, 10,000 students to pray for Tibet that God would open the door because it was totally closed. And uh, so my takeaway from that conference was to pray for Tibet every day for a year. And I got uh, Johnson's world prayer thing. And, and so for one year, I prayed every day for the country of Tibet. And at the end of the year, I still hadn't met anyone from Tibet. And uh, I still hadn't been there, but uh, Tibet was on my heart, and I loved the people of Tibet, and I'd never met them. 
because I prayed every day for a year. And that was my takeaway from that passion conference. And they had all these big wig speakers, you know, Louis Giglio and John Piper and Beth Moore, and they were, they were cranking it out, you know, and Matt Redman was leading the, the music. And I mean, it was a high octane conference. And so what I took away was to pray for Tibet for every day for a year from a video. Now, I, you know, I got other things out of it, but so I, you know, I want to challenge you to pray that God will, you can take away one important thing. And I prayed this coming here. In fact, uh, last night when we were watching the movie Wonder, I'd seen it, Sandy wanted to watch it. We watched it about a week ago. And I thought, oh, do I need to watch it again? I could be over in the room and reading and relaxing. I thought, no, I really want to watch it again, and this time to be kind of reflective with it. And because um, I don't know if you noticed, it, that's a high-powered movie. And uh, there's something there for everyone. And so as I was thinking about it, and so I walked away, went back up to the, my room last night, and I thought, you know, I have felt a lot of, what little Augie felt. And I was, I was trying to figure it out, and, and I was thinking back to my dad. My dad had very crippling polio when he was seven in Missouri. And uh, back then, the only way you could keep alive little children that had polio was to take them to St. Louis, where this hospital there had iron lungs. And you all probably have never seen one or heard of them, but it's the modern, it was the old time respirator. It basically breathed for you the pressure in this capsule that totally, totally covered your body except your head, expanded and contracted, and so did your breathing for you. And he stayed in that for a year in St. Louis and had multiple surgeries. His, his spine was so crippled, his leg was crippled, and that's how he stayed alive. Well, uh, so I grew up with, with that. And uh, during Little League games, you know, they'd have father-son games, and my dad would try to hit, and we'd always have to get a, a, a runner for him because he couldn't run. And that was hard for me because all the other dads, you know, could play baseball and everything. And so anyway, I was thinking about that last night. And, and, I, and I realized that... I had never really thanked God for what my dad went through. And it's always been kind of a low-grade infection for me. It's, it's not, in the, not on the surface of my life, but that I was kind of ashamed of my dad growing up because he couldn't do the things that other fathers could do, but he incredibly loved me and cared for me and did everything he could to be a part of my life. So last night, you know, I just said, oh God, I thank you for what dad went through. And, uh, you know, I'm here today because he couldn't fight in World War II. He had to go to the Pentagon and take a job in the Pentagon. And he, that's where he met my mom. And they fell in love in the Pentagon during World War II and got married. So here I am. So you see how, thing, how God can use things that uh, you would never dream that he would use, that some of your, 
most difficult heartbreaks with family or friends or lost opportunities you felt, uh, financial heartbreak. You know, I know as college students you have many, but God uses, it's not that he causes them. I'm not quite into that. But he uses these things to advance his story, his kingdom in your life. And so, you know, my takeaway, I've already had one takeaway uh, from the conference. So everything else is gravy here, I guess, for me. Uh, You know, so anyway, that's my challenge to you to really believe God that God will give you one thing. You know, he may give you two or three or four, but one. Now, uh, my next uh, three talks, I'll kind of tell you where I'm going. I'll I'll be into the cause-effect thing, but uh, this first talk, I'm going to talk about caring for your soul. And I think this is the most critical thing that you can do. It's not leading a Bible study group. It's not going on a mission trip. It's not even reading your Bible every day necessarily, although this will be part of it. It's not going to church on Sunday. It's not coming here on this retreat. But in the grand scope of things, caring for the internal part of your life where God lives, if you're a believer, I think is your most important job. And so this first talk is going to talk about that. I'm kind of drawing out the whole idea of of personal devotional life. This is really stretching it out, okay? And then the second talk tonight, I'm going to talk about the power of God released in your life. And I guarantee you, I'm not going to talk about what you think I'm going to talk about. Neil, I'm not going to talk about speaking in tongues, so you can relax. (laughs) uh, But this talk, um, I believe... uh, is, is really the heart of the power of God in and through your life. So that'll be tonight. And then tomorrow morning we'll be uh, having an eternal impact and how you, you know, 50 years from now can look back with such gratitude to God for what he has done in you and through you. So that'll be tomorrow morning. But they all kind of tie in together like I can't just land tomorrow morning without these first two talks because without these first two talks, tomorrow morning is just kind of spiritual activity. Uh, So that's where I'm headed. So let's get started. Let me start with this. Uh, I love hourglasses. This one's going away. The thing about an hourglass is you know you know exactly what's going on. You know how much is below it. This one actually runs for an hour. It's going to run up out here pretty quick because I started it a while ago. You know how much is, has run, time has gone by, and you know how much time is on top. That's the cool thing about an hourglass. Now, our lives is in a sense an hourglass, but we only know one side of the equation. We know how much time has gone gone by for you it's 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 years and uh, for me it's 70 70 they say is the new 60 so I'm really just 60 but uh, you know I have 70 years that have gone by but none of us know how much time is left none of us know how much time is up here and um, I have some good friends in Wichita, George and Marjean Fouché. 
George is 88 and Margene is 86. And they're continuing to love God and this little retirement village, they go around and meet these old people kind of crippling along or being pushed in wheelchairs. And, you know, they don't have much time left. But, um, and then I had a dear friend, Bruce Briggs, who uh, acquired cancer, a really nasty kind, and he lived for two years and he died at 37. And uh, he left his wife and two little children. And he lived really well. They moved to Fort Worth, actually to Dallas, to move into a high rise that wasn't being you, that wasn't being reached. There was no Christian witness in there. And that's why they moved to Dallas to be in this high rise. And uh, they did a really good job there. But Bruce only had 37 years. I met with him four years in college. And then my nephew, Drew, had been married to Shannon for four years and, and pregnant with their first child. In December the 30th, she had an aneurysm and died just like that. And they rushed her to the hospital. They did a C-section for the baby. The baby was due in a month, and they just couldn't get the oxygen to the baby in time. The baby lived for two or three days and, and died. The baby was never spent one day of life. And Shannon only had 29 years. And yet she lived really well. In fact, uh, one of the posts that Drew did went out to over six million people all over the world about believing God. And it's been really hard, if you can imagine, losing not only your wife, but also your first child. And, uh, you know, incredible heartache. But we don't know how much time we have left. There's a, a couple of passages, um, one in James and one in Psalms. It says, do you not know what tomorrow will bring? Or you do not know what tomorrow will bring? What is your life? It's a great question. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. So this is James. As James saw the, the New Testament church move and martyrs happening, people dying, uh, this was his comment on this. And then in Psalms 102, for my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. So today is the most important day of the rest of your life. I mean, I hope you see today as like an incredible gift because we need to live in this moment and Christ in you right now is the most important thing he is doing in the universe. Of course, tonight that'll be true too, and tomorrow that'll be true, and at lunch it'll be true. But, but seize the moment and Christ in you. And so, um, you know, these college years, you're setting this 
trajectory. I'm probably not saying anything that Max hasn't already said, so I'm trying to do things that he doesn't do. I've heard him give 500 messages, so I know what he says. And, uh, but he probably talks about, you know, in these college years, you're setting a tra trajectory. And these are so incredible, these years. I mean, I don't know of a time in your life that will have more influence than these years. You have the energy, you have the mind, you have the time, you have the availability. I know a lot of you are working and you think you don't, but compared to 10 years from now, you do. And to get on track with God and to set that trajectory. trajectory. And um, here's a thought. Did you know that the most important job you have as a follower of Christ is the care of your soul? So I just referred to that a while ago, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Paul Tripp, author, says the stuff outside you, no matter how troubling it is or how dangerous it's not as dangerous as the mess inside you. And for that, we need the grace of God. And Tripp, Tripp is saying, you know, we've got all these things going, out, going on outside our life. You know, you'll go back uh, tomorrow to studies, to work, to family concerns, to ministry issues, to relational issues. And all this stuff is going out out going on outside your life what is going on inside your life is far more should far more concern us than what is going on outside your life so that's really the setup for um, my talk um, we're talking about living below the water line here not above it uh, there's a French uh, Catholic priest that you're lived many years ago. He actually was martyred in Algeria. He made this little quote, and he said, present with God and present with people. I thought, what a great thought for me. I want to be present with God and present with people. So we're going to talk about caring for the soul. I have four points. And uh, if we're going to care for our soul, really do the, the hard work of cultivation and keeping our soul healthy before God, four thoughts for you to consider. One is tend to your past. Um, you think, you say, well, doesn't the Bible say, for, like Paul said, forget what lies behind and I reach forth for what lies before? That's certainly true. But... Let me, you know, Paul also remembered a whole lot. He was always talking about what God was about in the past. He brought it up all the time. He talked, obviously, about what Christ had done a few years earlier. So um, his story was always relevant because he talked about his past. And um, there's a little verse... Um, or a little thought that someone wrote, I don't know who, it says, while our life is lived forward, it is understood in the past. Does that make sense? You, you live your life forward, but you un understand your life based on your past. 
I, uh, Sandy gave me a gift last year, Ancestry.com. That's where you spit in a little vial and you send it off. And so she thought that'd be cool, and I thought that'd be cool. So uh, about a month later, I get back this report, this uh, long report, a couple pages long, about my, my ancestry. And so, as you would guess, with the last name Anderson, I have a lot of Swedish uh, genetics in me. I have a lot of uh, Northern Ireland and Britain genetics in me. But one thing was really interesting on this report. It said in the 1600s, Northern Sub Siberian Yakuks were introduced into my genetics. And I'm thinking, how'd that happen? You know, there's some like a uh, Swedish uh, fur trader went to northern Siberia and found some yakic woman that he thought looked good to him and, you know, and they brought a baby back. I mean, who knows how that happened? Well, but anyway, you know, it's interesting what has happened in our past. And um, if, we, if we don't really get a handle on our past, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard for us in, in allowing Christ to move freely into our heart. And uh, in some things, God will not be able to maybe really move into your heart because of some issues you may have had in your ha past. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says, uh, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I learned all these verses in the Revived Standard and I'm using the, the New English version now and their, their word is slightly different. So as I read them, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, what does that say? But here's, here's the thing on the weights. God calls us to lay aside weights. Now, some weights we lay aside are relatively easy to do, such as, let's say, I'm having a big problem with social media. Well, you know, I could choose after lunch to leave my cell phone in, in my room and not pick it up to after dinner. And I would have, and I, I would bet after about three weeks, I would not be as attached to my cell phone because I just choose to, to not use it. And so things like that can be relatively easy or easier to lay aside if that's a, an idol in your life, if it's taking too much time for you. But some things are really challenging, such as we have a dear friend and she's given me uh, permission to use this story. Her name is Roxanne, she was one of our students, and on her 18th birthday, she was sexually molested by her youth director, pardon me, it was her 16th year birthday, and, and so her youth director, the classic setup of winning her trust, and, and on her birthday, he took her out and was talking sweet to her and sexually molested to her somewhere out and away from everyone. Well. She was a brand new believer. And so what she did was just push all of her emotions under the rug. And, you know, she decided that I will not let this hurt me again. 
And so she pushed it under there. Well, uh, about a year and a half later, uh, she was uh, a freshman at K-State, and we had a time of kind of a time of healing and repentance, and, and students had a chance to share some of their hurts and needs. And she got up and, and shared this story. And I mean, the shock effect was incredible. There were about probably 35 of our leaders there. And um, so we gathered around her and prayed for her. And, uh, you know, I, I determined, I, I actually went back and got on my knees and I said, knees and I said, God, I don't know if Roxanne's going to make it, but it's not because I'm not going to pray for her. And uh, she, God laid her on my heart. And 10 years later, she graduated from seminary. She ended up going to Xi'an as a missionary. She's happily married now in Fort Worth and has three great kids. But her, um, her healing of her past was no small thing where she had to begin to open her soul up that had been shut down because of being so wounded. And so some things, these, uh, the weights are not easily accomplished. But, but, but the key of this is, is we have to allow Jesus to meet us at those points of hurt. And a lot of people think, well, I just kind of need to come grips with my past, and I've done that, and this and that. My parents were divorced, and okay, you know, that was hard, but I move on. That's not the idea at all. The idea is allowing Jesus to literally come in and touch those wounds. You know, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so some of you need to give attention to your past. And that's really... Uh, Pretty much about all I'm gonna gonna say about that. I, you know, I could give speak for two hours on it, but I'm speaking ten minutes on it. So that's the first part, though, of creating space in your heart for God, is give attention to your past. Okay, that's point one. The second point is that we need to create space for God in your heart. the The care of our soul need space for God. And, and we live in an incredibly mo noisy and busy um, world. And you go on your campus. I've been on the campus of USC. Man, there's movement and noise and something's going on here and something's going on there. And, uh, you know, it's a very busy environment. And you're caught up in that. And... Uh, and we have things that create noise from it, all the way from uh, your, you know, music you can pull up on your iPad to podcasts. So everything is, has, is noise. And let me give you a few verses here. Psalms 85.8 says, let me hear what God, the Lord, will speak. Now, are you hearing what God, the Lord, will speak? Are you giving enough time to create that space in your heart. Psalms 23, 2 and 3 says, He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside noisy waters. No, mm -hmm. quiet waters. And then an interesting thing is next. He, re he renews my life. And a lot of people want renewed lives. You know, oh, I want my life to be refreshed and more on target with God. The leading beside the quiet waters comes first. And 
probably without that, there's not a whole lot of restoration of our life. Do you slow down enough? Are you, do you quiet your heart enough to create space for God? That's a part of caring for your soul. Um, Psalms 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Um, it, you know, this, this next quote um, I, I got out of a book I read says there are some things about God and his purposes we will never learn unless we are alone and quiet before him. You think that's true? I mean, with all your coming to conferences and Christian meetings and uh, different things you're doing that's alive with the Christian message, do you think there are some things you may not ever learn about God unless you slow down enough to be quiet before him? I think that's true. Uh, I... I think that what I experienced last night, uh, I think if I would have stayed here with, you know, interacting with all of you, I think I would have missed that probably. I'm, I'm not attuned enough spiritually to pick up the voice of God in the midst of a whole lot of uh, competing noises. I'm not that good. Maybe you are, but I guarantee you I'm not. Uh, Psalms 46.10 says, be still. Not be active, not go and go and go. Be still and know that I am God. You know, again, it says it's almost like without stillness, do we really know God as he is? Now that verse, uh, a good friend of mine, um, Jeff, who's Jeff over at Colorado Bible? You know, Jeff. He, he, he uses the second part of that verse, which is a great verse, you know, and I will be exalted among the nations, which is really a great verse on vision for the world. But it begins with being still and knowing that I am God. And if you want a heart for the nations, you know, that's going to be rooted to a large degree on what God does in your heart and quietness. And so this is, this is what it means to create space. So people say, so what do you do? You just kind of hang around in a quiet room? No, I get out my Bible and I ask God to, to speak to me. And one time I had my quiet time in the student union out loud with a student and I happened to be reading Song 63 and, and so he was sitting there and he, he couldn't figure out uh, how God can speak in a quiet time. He just read the Bible and prayed and went on his way. And so I said, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. God, is that really true of my life? Do I really seek you? Is that my heart today? And so I pondered that. My soul thirsts for you. God, uh, as I'm living today, is my soul thirsty for you? And so I meet God in the Bible. So I read the Bible to meet God. I mean, I learn things and, 
you know, I have things to share with people, and that's, that's really good. But my primary reason, reason for reading the Bible is to meet God. Oh, God, let me meet you today. Now, some days I get something out of it, and some days I don't. That's God's prerogative. I don't get, like, this huge blessing every time I pick up the Bible. In fact, I've gone through months without getting much out of the Bible. Incredibly dry time. But I keep doing it, and I keep coming to God. So um, I want to hear God in the Bible. You, you know, do you hear your voice? Um, this God? Do you hear God speak your name? Uh, I was reading John 20 about three months ago. And so after Jesus had been crucified, uh, Mary went to the tomb. You remember this story. And uh, Jesus wasn't there. He had risen. So Mary's looking around and... Jesus shows up and she thinks he's a gardener because he looked different. And so Jesus says, Mary. And she says, teacher, and starts holding him. He spoke her name in silence and she heard. And see, God speaks our name. Just as clear as he spoke Mary's name. But we have to be quiet enough to hear that. And uh, you're a busy college student. And you may get your quiet time by going out on campus to a bench. Um, you may have a place in your room. It may be in some far part of the union, some place. But figure it out. How can you quiet your heart. Okay, two more quick points and we're finished. The third thought here is not only we look at the past and not only we, we, we create space in our heart for God, but we also have to address where am I headed? Where are you headed? I've already had questions here the last day on future. We have to give attention to where our life is going. And uh, God wants to give you vision and clarity and hope and dreams and direction. Sometimes he gives it clearly. Sometimes you have to wait a while. After I graduated from college, I had two years that I had no clue what God was going to do in my life as far as leading me. But I knew that he was leading me to make disciples. And so I begin to get attached to some key vision that he was giving me. So as a college student, you know, not only your career path, you know, you're certainly hopefully doing that. But God, what are you creating in me to do? It may not be clear. I mean, it may be foggy, but, you know, you need to address the future. Because someday you will arrive at the future. Like, I am 70 now. And I have arrived from being 18 to 70. And it, believe me, it takes a lot less time than you think. It takes a whole lot less time than 52 years. I mean, it takes like a year. And uh, I don't know how that works. But someday you will arrive at your future spot. 
And, uh, and so, God, what do you want to do in my life? What kind of dreams do you want me to have about people and about you and about myself? And, and really get look into the future. And this is the last point, and we'll close. Not only looking to your past, not only creating space in your heart, not only looking to your future to care for your soul, but God calls us, I believe, to do it in community with others. And uh, for some of you, this may be your weakest link. And uh, maybe there's kind of a facade of that in college. You know, you're, you're here with friends and you go to a, your, your meeting, you know, and you're around friends. But I'm talking about really walking with life through people where they can speak into your heart and you can speak into their, those. You know, one reason why I love Max so much is not because... Uh, he's a great speaker and visionary, and he took me on trips, but because he spoke into my life, and he shared that story, uh, and, and 50 years ago, he sat down with me and three other guys and said, you know, guys, I saw you today at this young couple's house, and you didn't leave any food for them, and that's going to really hurt you down the road if you don't learn to be alert and to be a servant to people you're with. And I remember that as if it was yesterday because in love he's spoken to my heart. And those are the kind of friends you need. I have a picture of a few gals. Do we have that that you could throw up? Um, this was taken last week, I think. Um, and um, these, these gals are 40 years old, uh, and they've been close friends since college. Uh, the gal on the far uh, your right is Terry Briggs. Her husband died, uh, Bruce Briggs, of cancer that I mentioned earlier. So she's trying to raise two little boys without a husband. And it's been so hard for her. I mean, I cannot tell you how hard it's, it's been. Um, the gal on the far left up high is Stephanie. Um, she was married to a guy, and they really had a hard time getting pregnant. She, they got pregnant, but the baby did not have a brain. And so the baby died within minutes after delivery. Shortly thereafter, her husband left her to, he didn't want to be married anymore to her. And he was a great leader in our ministry. I mean, everyone thought this was like, a, you know, a Ken and Barbie couple. I mean, but he left and her life has been so filled with heartbreak. God has given her another husband recently. Um, the gal that's, uh, the second from the left on the front row there with long hair. Her name is Celie. And Celie um, is still not married. She would love to be married. But she went to Afghanistan 
and three of her closest friends were murdered in Afghanistan. One gal that she was really close to was kidnapped, thrown into a trunk, and never seen again. And two other friends that were a part of relief organizations that she worked with in different projects were abducted and murdered. And so she comes back from Afghanistan with an incredible weight of post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, you can't believe how deeply rooted this is. And so her journey has been one of healing. And these other gals have had heartbreaks too in different ways. So for 20 years, they've really been for each other. And, uh, you know, I hope you'll have people like that around your life because you're going to need them. And uh, if you're going to get to the point 50 years from now that Christ is really real to you and your soul is really cared for, the cause, and then the effect of living for Christ and what he wants to do, you're going to have to care for your soul. It's just the way it is. It's what God calls us to do until we meet him face to face. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the time together this morning. And I pray that you would use the words that you want to use um, in the hearts of these here and the things you don't want to use that they would forget. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.